0: this series called The Bottom of the Ninth because there are times when we all feel like we're at the bottom of the ninth inning and there's no hope. We've gotten so far behind that there's no hope of turning things around. In the first week, we learned that if we stand up to our situation and if we step up to the plate and we swing with all of our heart, hoping that something will change, miracles can happen. And often miracles do happen. Often things do turn around by the power of God. Last weekend in our second message, we learned that when we are behind, when we're down, when our situation is dark, that we need to remember the other times when our situation was dark. And we called upon God and He miraculously came and changed our situation. And we talked about the fact that remembering revitalizes our hope. When we're in a dark time, and remember back how God carried us then, how God helped us then. That revitalizes our hope in our new dark time. Well, we're talking about being in the bottom of the ninth. And if you understand baseball and you've ever been to a baseball game and you've been watching a team that's been behind in the bottom of the ninth, don't you just love it when there's a comeback? Don't you just love it when the underdog team comes back? ...and comes to win the game. We all love to remember those things. We love to see those things. We love to celebrate those things. But what many of you probably don't realize... ...is that the Bible is full of stories about comebacks. Stories of people that came back from dark situations. Now to give us hope when we're behind... ...God put these stories in His Word... ...about people who were at the bottom of the ninth inning... ...but had comeback moments. There's a guy by the name of Daniel... Daniel's the guy that was tossed into the lion's den for simply deciding to pray to God and to put his trust in God instead of the king. He was tossed into the lion's den. Now, I don't know about you, but I would call a lion's den of adult hungry lions a bottom of the ninth moment. Amen? (laughs) So there, there was Daniel, bottom of the ninth, in a lion's den, but there was a comeback. The next morning when they went to look in the lion's den... Daniel was alive, and he was riding those lions like ponies. No, the, the Bible doesn't say that. But God had calmed and, come and calmed those lions down, those lions that would have devoured Daniel, and he was alive. He didn't die. That was a comeback. Then there was Moses. He's the guy that was rejected and chased down by Pharaoh for simply asking for God's people to be set free from slavery. Now, after Pharaoh let Moses and the Israelites go, Pharaoh changes his mind, chases after the Israelites, and suddenly Moses and the Israelites have the Red Sea on one side of them and Pharaoh's army on the other side of them. There they are, trapped in the middle, no hope to survive. But there's a comeback moment. God shows up, parts the water of the Red Sea. The Israelites run across the Red Sea. Army, After them, God then closes the water and Pharaoh's army drowns in the water. That's quite a comeback. Then there's David. He's the guy who was kind of ridiculed by his own family. David was the youngest of all the boys. David was considered the the smallest, kind of the runt of the family. David was ridiculed for simply being willing to stand up And fight the giant that was mocking God. So as the ridiculed youngest runt of the family named David stood armorless, too small for the king's armor, and weaponless against Goliath, except for a little slingshot and a few stones. For David, that was the bottom of the ninth moment. But as you know, there was a comeback like all comebacks. In the name of the Lord God Almighty, David spoke, and he took down Goliath with one small stone. What a comeback. Then there's Esther. Esther's the gal who risked her life by simply going to the king, uninvited, to ask him to save her people. So as Queen Esther entered the king's throne room and approached him, uninvited, an act punishable by death, it was a bottom of the ninth moment. But the king received her, granted her request, and saved her people. Another comeback. Then there's Jesus. He's God who came in the flesh and was murdered on a cross for simply wanting to to make a way for people to be forgiven and receive eternal life. The cross was a bottom of the ninth moment for Jesus. The grave on Friday was a complete loss for Jesus. Game over. That kind of a game over kind of a moment. But as we all know, Sunday was coming, amen? Sunday was a coming. And when Sunday came, he came alive and he came out of the grave. And that is a comeback that outdoes every other comeback in all of history. Now, in every one of those real-life stories, there's a common theme. The theme is, comebacks. In the bottom of the ninth, they were all behind. They were all facing some kind of hopeless situation. But they all came back and won. But what I want to talk with you about this morning is that there's another guy that none of us really know what to do about his life story. We don't know what to do with this guy. His name is Stephen. His real-life story is found in the book of Acts, chapter 6 and 7. And he was one of the very first Christians. He was a part of the very first Christian movement, part of the first Christian church in Jerusalem. And we hear about Stephen when some of the widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. And so he was one of the guys who was asked to help solve the problem. But he was not only helping feed people... But he was also so effective at sharing about the love of Jesus Christ wherever he went that people were deciding to follow this resurrected Jesus. And because of that, Stephen got the attention of some other people. He got the attention of the Pharisees and the elders and and the teachers of the law. Those same guys who had just killed Jesus to stop this new Christian movement. And the movement did stop. For three days, for three days, but after Jesus resurrected from the dead, after Jesus appeared to more than five hundred people, the movement was gaining huge traction, and Stephen was being a huge witness for Christ. And he is now in the sights of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, the elders. So they go and arrest Stephen, and they put him on trial with trumped-up, false accusations. I mean, it had worked to remove Jesus. And so they just re upped their same process on Stephen. And so now this had to be a bottom of the ninth moment for Stephen. Here he was following God. People were deciding to follow Jesus through his ministry. Things were going well. The Christian movement was gaining traction. And now he's in jail. He's arrested. And they confront Stephen with these trumped up charges. And when they do, the high priest says, Stephen, are these these charges all true? And when Stephen opened his mouth, he launched into a speech to end all speeches. He, uh, He started off with a message to end all messages. He opened his mouth, and when he did so, in baseball terms, it's like he grabbed the bat, he stepped up to the plate, and he started swinging for the fences. Stephen gave it everything he had. He started with Father Abraham, and he retold the entire Jewish history and about all the times and places where the Jewish people had turned away from God to make the point that they were doing the same thing again. They were turning away from God. And then to drive his point home, take a look at Scripture and what he said. To drive his point home, he said, You are stiff-necked people. Your hearts... And ears are still uncircumcised. Man, if they weren't ticked at Stephen, boy, they are now. They are so angry at him, but he keeps swinging for the fences. Your hearts and your ears are still uncircumcised. You're just like your ancestors. You always resist the Holy Spirit. Was there ever a prophet your ancestors did not persecute? They even killed those who predicted the coming of the righteous one. And now you have betrayed and murdered him, Jesus, the righteous one. You who have received the law that was given through angels, but have not obeyed it. So here's Stephen being bold, even in the bottom of the ninth. No hope for what's going to happen for him. How's he going to get out of this? And his speech was not a winning hit with the religious leaders, man. They were not liking it. But he goes on. And with no meeting or no vote, take a look at what happened. They dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. But wait a minute. This is Stephen. This is God's guy. This is a guy who's doing everything right. He's swinging for God. He's feeding the widows and the orphans. He's sharing his faith about God's love and forgiveness in the person of Jesus Christ. He's doing everything right. God's surely going to show up to protect him. Maybe God's going to cause the rocks to turn into sponges or something. I don't know. Well, what's God going to do for Stephen? But the scripture goes on, and meanwhile, the witnesses laid their coats. Why would they lay their coats? So they could take off anything that would encumber them when they wanted to throw the rock with all of their heart. They laid their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul. And at this point, we're saying, surely God is going to come through at the bottom of the ninth with some kind of a miracle. But the scripture goes on and says, "And but while they were stoning them, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. Man, Stephen's way better than me. Probably better than all of us combined, Amen. And maybe God is still going to come through with a last-minute miracle. But the Bible says when he had said this, he fell asleep. And the word asleep doesn't mean he went to sleep. It means he died. Why didn't God remove him from the stoning? He's God's guy. Why didn't God rescue Stephen from death? I mean, he rescued Daniel and Moses and David and, and Esther. He rescued Jesus. I mean, even though he allowed Jesus to die, he brought him back to life. Why not Stephen? Stephen was in the bottom of the ninth, swinging hard for God. But God allowed Stephen to lose. What are we supposed to do with the story of Stephen? We know how to deal with winning. What do we do with losing? To be absolutely truthful, some things just don't turn around. Sometimes things just don't change in our lives. Sometimes there's not a come from behind victory. Sometimes there is no comeback. Maybe you can understand, Stephen, m- maybe not when it comes to being bold and giving speeches or being stoned, but you've been in the bottom of the ninth and you lost. There was no turnaround. There was no comeback. Stephen lost. Stephen died. What do we do with that? What do we do when the game is over and it's hopeless? Game is over, no chance for a comeback. What do we do when we feel completely lost because we lost? Well, one thing we can do is empathize with people who've had a Stephen-like experience. Most all of us have watched a Christ-following family or a Christ-following friend face a bottom of the ninth moment. We've watched them go through a time when they prayed and they hoped and they prayed and they hoped and they still lost. Game over. A time when the lights in the stadium went out. It was game over, no comeback opportunity. And maybe you've experienced something like that in in your life. Maybe you've lost in the game of finance. Maybe you got behind and your creditors started started throwing the rocks, seizing your accounts, foreclosing on your home. And you prayed and you hoped that something would change, but nothing ever did change and you lost most everything. Game over. Maybe you lost in the game of marriage. You neglected your spouse and your relationship went south. And then you found out about the affair. And you were willing to get counseling. You were willing to restore and repair. But your spouse moved on. And now your spouse is getting remarried. And it's like another rock hits you in the face. Maybe you've lost the game of parenting. Your child is addicted and he's been in and out of rehab and now you're out of hope, you're out of money, you feel like you've got no other options and for the moment you have to just let go of your child and you feel like it's game over. Maybe you've lost in the game of health. You knew something was wrong. The test confirmed it. The diagnosis was revealed. The prognosis was not good. The treatment options were invasive. And suddenly you didn't feel like you were in the bottom of the ninth. You felt like it was game over. You prayed and you hoped, and the elders of the church prayed and hoped, but you still felt like it was game over. Aren't you glad you came for this message this morning? (laughs) One of those encouraging, uplifting messages. But listen, the real life of story Stephen shows us How to live when we lose. Here's a a historical truth. After Stephen was buried, because of his bold fight, because of his bold finish, because of his bold faith, a massive persecution broke out in Jerusalem. And because of that persecution, many Christians fled and suddenly the gospel of Jesus Christ spread. Christians fled and and the the message spread. Christianity spread beyond Jerusalem to Judea onto Samaria. And that all started because of one guy, Stephen, and his bold fight, his bold faith, his bold finish. It started with a guy who lost, according to the scoreboard. He lost. He died. But now God's team was playing on a bigger field, in a much larger stadium, in other cities, in other countries. Here's the bottom line of the message this morning. You can be used even when you lose. You can be used by God even when you you lose. But what do you do with that? What do you do when God doesn't remove your situation in the way that you had hoped? What do you do when we lose and we feel like it's all over? Well, God used Stephen even though he didn't rescue him. And God can use you if he doesn't rescue you from some suffering and some pain and some loss. God can use your life to accomplish something far bigger than you had ever thought about or dreamed. You see, God used Stephen... And Stephen's witness to get through to a guy named Saul, whose name later was changed to Paul. You see, Saul was a persecutor of Christians. Saul was at Stephen's stoning. In fact, Saul was a young man involved in leading it. Stone throwers were taking off their coats and laying them at the feet of young Saul, the lead persecutor of Christians. And saying, Saul, I'm with you, man. I don't like these Christians at all. I'm I'm with you. And they laid their coats at his feet, saying, I'm with you, Saul. We're together on this. And so they checked their coats with Saul and started chucking rocks at Stephen. See, Stephen understood that you can be used even when you lose. God used Stephen's situation to turn Saul into Paul the Apostle. And so, what seemed like Stephen's loss turned into a victory as God received Stephen into his arms in heaven and Paul into the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? When you are at the bottom of the ninth, what if you started praying, God, use it. Not just remove it. I mean... God wants us to pray, God, heal me, God, restore me, God, remove this from me. God wants us to pray all those things. But what if we also said, but God, if you're not going to remove it, God, at least use it. Bring something good out of this. God, you promised that in your word. God, use it. Maybe just something amazing might happen. God might just use what seemed to be your loss to bring up somebody like Paul. To follow you and to do great things because of what he saw in you. And what Paul saw and how Stephen went through his loss prepared Paul to go through all the things that he was going to face as he spread the gospel and proclaimed Christ throughout the known world at that time. And Paul ends up at the end of his life writing this He goes, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race. And I have kept the faith. I have fought the good fight. I've been at the bottom of the ninth many times, guys. But I kept fighting. And I finished this race. And I have kept the faith. I want to encourage you this morning. When you're facing a loss, do what Stephen did. Don't give up. When you're facing a loss, do what Paul did. Don't give up. Fight. Finish. Keep the faith. And I want to encourage you to do these three things always. You thought I was going to forget the fill in the blanks, right? Here they they are real quick. When dealing with the likelihood of a loss, it looks like you're at the bottom of the ninth and it looks like there's no hope. When you're dealing with the likelihood of a loss, what do you do? You fight. No matter how bad it gets, you fight. You fight. Don't stop doing what the Word of God tells you is right. Keep swinging. Stand up to your situation. Pick up your bat. Step up to the plate and swing for the fences. Like Stephen, give it your best shot. Fight. You see, God uses people who go down swinging. He uses it. He makes a difference with it. Next, when dealing with the reality of a loss. You're in the bottom of the ninth. You had hope, but you did lose. What do you do? You finish well. Sometimes even when we fight, we still lose. Even when we do our best to finish well, we still lose. Finishing well is so hard. I mean, can you imagine how hard it must have been for Stephen, a man who had lived right A man who had followed God, how hard it must have been to accept God's decision to not remove from him his situation, his execution by rocks. Can you imagine how hard it was to finish well by staying true to God instead of running away from God? I've been pastoring a long time. And over the years, I've seen when people were in bottom of the ninth moments and things got hard, I've seen people run close to God and stay true to God and finish well. And I've seen people turn away from God, run away from the church, run away from the church family, run away from God and his word and just say, I'm done. I want to encourage you this morning, even in the midst of a loss, stay true to God. Finish this life well. And then can you also imagine how hard it must have been for Stephen to finish well by saying, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. Can you imagine? You know how, how bad it hurts when you bump your head? Go on, guys. You've done it. Can you imagine rock after rock, people throwing with all their might and force, hitting his head, and he's sitting there saying, Lord, don't hold this against them. Can you imagine? But listen, God uses people who go the distance and stay true, who finish well. God, this hurts. I don't understand it. But God, I'm going to finish well. I'm going to stay true to you. And then, next, when dealing with the consequences of a loss, you're at the bottom of the ninth. You did lose. The stadium lights are going out. What do you do now? I want to encourage you to keep the faith. Keep the faith. For some, this is the biggest challenge of all, to go on believing in your team, to go on believing in your coach when you just lost, to go on believing in Christianity and Jesus Christ when the game is over and you've lost, to keep the faith when you've lost and you're now facing all the consequences of your loss, all the consequences of losing the battle for your health, of losing the battle for your finances, of losing the battle for your marriage or whatever. It's hard to keep the faith. God didn't remove it. But listen, God uses people who go on believing. He lets people see your example. He lets them see your fight and your finish and your faith in the midst of all of that. And God uses that to expand his family, and to change our world. Folks, we can be part of something bigger than we ever dreamed. So when dealing with the likelihood of a loss, fight. When dealing with the reality of a loss, finish well. When dealing with the consequences of a loss, keep the faith. You will be used by God even when you lose. Amen? And we've already won, amen? Heaven is ours. Salvation, eternity with God is ours. We may lose a few things here in this life, but we've already won. Let's be the example that God can use. Let's pray. As I pray this prayer, would you repeat it in your heart? It goes like this. Father God, you know my situation. Today I give my situation into your hands. And even if you choose to not remove it from me, today I commit to fight, to finish, and to keep the faith. I choose to be used by you even if I lose. Lord Jesus, we don't understand everything in life, but we know that we've won life with you. But until we spend eternity with you, in the meantime, help us learn how to fight and finish and keep the faith. If you don't remove something that's hard, that we might be a witness that you can use, that would cause others to come to know you as Savior and Lord and not miss eternity with you. Help us to have hearts that are that big, hearts for other people, hearts for people in our our city in our county, in our country, and around the world. I pray in Jesus' name and all of God's people said, amen.